All right. I think it's about that time. Let's go ahead and gather ourselves and our coffee. I didn't get more coffee. I should have. If you don't know me, my name is Sarah. I'm our worship coordinator here at Walker. <laughs> um, I don't usually do a lot of talking, but um, I wore my courage shirt. This is my courage shirt. It has names of different women of the Bible that God called or talked to or used in some interesting way. And so I put it on when I need courage. So we got my courage shirt. We're all set. Um, <laughs> but with that, let's take a moment and pray. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As we open your word today, we ask that you speak to us and that you help us to listen. May the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation in my heart be pleasing to you. We love you so much, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay. If you will, I'm going to pull on this a lot because I have a lot of hair. Remember back with me, back to when you were a little kid. What, how did you think your life was going to go? Maybe you were going to be Indiana Jones, like Sean, or an astronaut, rock star, lion tamer, anyone? <laughs> a cat, okay. <laughs> Even beyond those childhood dreams that we have, we often have this script or this map that society gives us, right, where this is the nice straight line that we're going to follow. You graduate high school, you go to college, you get married, you have 2.2 kids, a dog or a cat, white picket fence, beautiful happy retirement. <laughs> I was going to have a very nice, smooth life, and I was going to go to um, get married and then join the Peace Corps. And I was going to open up an orphanage in Africa and cuddle babies all day long, and it was going to be amazing. And the cute boy I was dating even wanted to do the same thing. So it was just going to be perfect. Then we went to find out that you actually have to have a college degree to join the Peace Corps and some, like, actual skills. A love of baby cuddling wasn't quite going to do it. So, all right, I went away to college. I didn't like it there. The student loans were racking up. I didn't know what I wanted to study. So then I just decided to leave, work three jobs, went back to college again, got married, had three kids, went back to college again, worked a couple more jobs. I'm just getting dizzy thinking about it. <laughs> And our life doesn't really look like this nice straight line, does it? If you're me, it looks a little bit more like the tangled slinky. <laughs> and sometimes we're walking along our path and something happens that throws us for a loop and it's disorienting. Maybe a trusted friend lets us down or the company that we've been with for years has laid us off. Maybe we've received that medical diagnosis that we've been dreading or that we weren't prepared for. What do we do when things don't go the way we thought they should or that we thought they would? And how do we listen to God's voice in those times? We are in our second week through the book of Matthew. 
and we're going to be going through it for the whole year, so yay. But today we're still in chapter one, and I think there is some wisdom for us in our text for today. So hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. In my previous church, we say, after we read something from the Gospels, we say, this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then all together we say, praise to you, O Christ. So just go with me, because that feels natural. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. Nice. So here's what we know so far. We've got Joseph as kind of the main character of this little part of the story. And we know that he is just a regular guy. We learn in other parts of scripture that he's a carpenter. He is not wealthy. He's just swinging his hammer, doing his thing. He didn't have any wealth or status. He did, however, have a job, a fiance, and an expected path forward. He and Mary were engaged, and apparently it's a little bit different than an engagement that we have here. More binding, even has legal ramifications to it. So Mary coming up pregnant before getting married to Joseph is a scandal. It would have been considered adultery, which is against the law. And the consequences would have been severe and humiliating for her. If, however, Joseph went through with the marriage, he would be bringing disgrace on himself, too, making it look like either he broke the law and got together with Mary before they were officially married, or possibly that he's marrying an adulteress, and either way, it does not look good. This isn't even to mention the deep betrayal that I imagine Joseph must have felt before the angel came and explained what was even going on a big orange construction sign just showed up in the middle of his path and he had a decision to make about which way he was going to go. We read that he is a righteous man, a good guy. And even though he likely felt a sense of disappointment and betrayal, he wanted to spare Mary the public shame. So he saw the construction sign in his path and decided to kindly move it aside, and stay his course. Instead, God calls him to take the detour. We read in Matthew 1, 20 and 21, but after he had considered this, 
the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, don't worry. The child is from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and take the detour. Take Mary home as your wife and name the baby Jesus. I have had so much fun looking up this word Jesus all week. In Hebrew, it's Yahoshua, which means Yahweh saves. And I never quite appreciated the name Joshua before because that's the Hebrew word for Joshua. I didn't appreciate it enough before. But if you named your kid Joshua, nice naming. Really good. Already we're getting flashbacks to another Bible character from the Old Testament whose name was the same in Hebrew, Joshua, who famously led the Israelites into the promised land following the death of Moses. Hmm, interesting. So Moses, through Moses, God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Then through Joshua, he delivered them through their 40-year trip around the desert and into the promised land. And now, by naming the baby Jesus, this baby conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a sense that something's happening. God has saved his people before, and he's doing it again. Matthew 121, you are to name the baby Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. If Jesus means Yahweh saves, that word sin is the Greek word hamartia. To err, to be mistaken, to miss or, wait for it, wander off the path of righteousness, to do or go wrong. Jesus has come to save his people from their sins, from wandering off of the path, from going wrong, because God's way is the best way, even when we mess it up. Then the angel shares with Joseph what Jesus will be called, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Because friends, when we're walking this path, we're not walking it alone. God is with us. Jesus, Yahweh saves, has come to earth in the form of a human with a name that tells an amazing story. Jesus, Emmanuel. We're walking this path together with God. So when a sudden detour sign does pop up, and it will, or when we trip and fall over a rock in our way, when it gets dark and we can't see where we're going, Emmanuel has come. God who saves is with us. So what does Joseph do next? Because I think what he does next is very interesting. He stops, listens, and obeys. We read in Matthew 1.24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home to be his wife. So let's get this straight. 
Joseph probably has never seen an immaculate conception before. Just a guess. Maybe that's why he needed an actual angel to show up and explain things to him. (laughs) But he listened, and he believed, and he obeyed. He took the detour that was before him. If you have a half sheet of paper and your kid hasn't turned it into a paper airplane by now, and if you need a pen, Sue here will give you a pen. I really like practical tools and visuals that I can bring with me kind of throughout my day. So we're going to do a little practical tool and just indicate to Sue if you need a writing utensil. And we can put up that first. Uh, circle and line. <laughs> this is not our new Walker Harbor tattoo, although <laughs> that's a bad joke. Don't do that. <laughs> All right. We're going to dive into a practical tool. I find this super helpful and think about it all the time. It is called the learning circle or the Kairos circle. Who knows about this or knows how? Yes! Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, and welcome to review. And if you don't, then buckle up, because it's going to be fun. (laughs) So when you get your um, paper and pen, we're going to just go ahead and label our pages together. So let's go to the next one, Sawyer. Um, The first thing we want to write, oh, is that so small? Can you see it? Yes, thank you. Um, On the far left, chronos time. This is the Greek word for time. It refers to the timeline, the hours that tick by on the clock, and the pages that flip by on the calendar, just the way we think of time. Then, over the X at the top, kairos. I'm sorry, it is small. Next time I make you guys a graph, I'm going to make it so big. (laughs) But kairos. Kairos time is the time that something happens, something that breaks into our straight line and sets our course askew. For Joseph, this Kairos moment is finding out that his fiance is pregnant and by the Holy Spirit. For us, it could be anything from getting a new job, a difficult diagnosis, moving to a new city. It might be big or small, good or bad, Almost never neutral, but just something happens. With these moments and when they happen, according to our circle, we have the opportunity to repent and believe. Repent and believe. This language comes from Mark 1, 14 through 15 where we meet up with Jesus, having just been baptized and then tempted in the wilderness. We read, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time, the kairos, has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kairos has come. Repent and believe. When we say repent, this word is, I'm so sorry that I'm going to mess up the pronunciation, but metaneo. It expresses a change in mental direction. So when we say we're repenting of our sins, 
we're saying my sins are wrong, I know that. I'm going to think differently about them. It's not necessarily saying I'm feeling bad about myself, but that I'm changing my mind. I'm turning my mind from my wrong thinking toward what is right and true. Away from my own way of thinking toward God. So a mental shift. Joseph sort of has a forced mental shift because an angel comes and tells him it's not what you think. Here's the deal. Then when we have the word believe, pistuo, to be persuaded of and to place confidence in. So there is a mental assent to the thing being true, but it's active. There's living like the thing is true. Wally said that's why trust is kind of a more helpful word sometimes. So think of his word, trust. <laughs> but Joseph proceeded as though what the angel said was true. He did what was commanded of him and took Mary home to be his wife. Even though doing this surely was going to make his life more difficult. It was a big, fat, weird detour. But he believed. Okay, so what about us? That's nice for Joseph. He had an actual angel show up and tell him what to do. I feel like if an angel was the one delivering my instructions, I would always know exactly what to do and I would never do the wrong thing. And that's probably not true, but I like to think, right, that if we had an angel telling me my instructions, maybe I would do better. And we don't have an angelic messenger. Oh, maybe we do, but we might not have one of those. And we might not always have answers. But what we do have as we walk our path is Emmanuel, God walking with us. We have an invitation to repent and believe. To ask, what is God saying and how am I responding? That's the next thing you can put on your circle. What is God saying on the far right? How am I responding on the far left? So if we're making our way around the circle, when something happens, we're asking, what is God saying? This is the question for our tool. We're asking God to change our thinking to line up with his and to help us listen to him. What is God saying? It doesn't mean God is causing a bad thing to happen to you, by the way but that he is speaking and with you during it. So what is he saying? The next things you can write on there, and some things that help us uh, with this question, observe what's happening, reflect in prayer, and discuss with other people. Observe, reflect, discuss. At my previous church, I was involved in a discipleship triad so there were three of us, we'd have pie every Thursday. And you could probably do discipleship without pie, I don't recommend it. But we would ask each other every week, what is God saying to you? And how are you responding? And the thing I loved about that was that we got into a practice. We got into a routine of watching. Even the first couple of times people would say, "I." 
had to have something to tell these ladies. I really needed to pay attention to what, what God was saying and where I, was I seeing and experiencing his movement. Um, this is definitely my shameless plug for story groups. So if you want to join one of those, <laughs> um, the men meet on Wednesday mornings and the ladies meet on Thursday nights at Panera. But that's one of the things we ask each other is what is God saying and where are you seeing God? To train ourselves to be watching. Then that brings us around to believe, to live like what God says is true. To ask the question, how am I responding? Some of the things that can help us make a ray around the circle, and I'm just blowing through them, I understand. But plan, sometimes we need a plan for what to do. Find some accountability to help us stick to it, and then act. So plan, account, act. The good news is you can talk to your neighbor about this later. <laughs> Come up with what that means to you. But maybe Joseph didn't have a very hard time discerning what he actually was supposed to do. But he really did have to step out in faith in order to respond in obedience. But he did it. He did it not knowing what was going to happen. He had to place his active trust in God. And because of what God did with that, the world was never the same. Our response isn't always something super difficult. Our Kairos moment might be something really big and really obvious, and maybe it's just something kind of weird. And I just want to share just a brief story because I won't get into the details for the sake of other people, but you can ask me later if you want. But I just want to tell you, there's this one time where I had this nagging feeling. Um, one of those feelings like, why is this in my head and how can I get rid of it? It was contact, find and contact my former foster sister. And we hadn't seen each other or talked to each other in over a decade. And when we were together in our family, it didn't end well. So I was like, God, what are you saying? I think that's weird. Why am I thinking about her? And why am I having this overwhelming need to contact her? But I went with it. Okay. I went over to the computer. I didn't even have her name because her name had changed a few times while we were together and after. Um, I Googled. I found her in about 30 seconds. And that day was the beginning of a beautiful family reconciliation that I never would have thought would have happened. But all I'm saying is simple. God said, hey, Sarah, go to the computer and Google. And I, all I had to do was say, okay, that's weird, but do that. And God brought so much redemption, so much reconciliation that was so unexpected, so unexpected. It was one of those situations where my mom said she prayed every single day for 10 years and then said, you know, it turns out you don't necessarily have to pray with a whole ton of faith because God still acted even though we didn't really believe it was going to happen. But I'm not saying any of that to say it's, everything's going to turn out great. You know, they're all, the stories end all different. We don't always know how they end. But if we can pay attention when things that are happening are kind of shaking us up, if we can pay attention and ask God, 
What are you saying? You can talk about it now with each other. So you have your little cheat sheet to bring home with you. And if some, when something happens, you want to be watching and listening in the next couple of weeks, you can say, hey, person I sat next to in church who has the same piece of paper, talk this through with me. And now they'll know what you're talking about. We got you, fam. <sighs> so what path do we think God is asking us to walk? Is it supposed to be that smooth, straight line? If it's supposed to be that way, I don't think I've ever witnessed this phenomenon. Is it supposed to look like that tangled slinky that's disorienting and directionless? Or is God calling us to walk a path a little bit more like a slinky? Around and around. Repenting and believing. Repenting and believing, seeking God, following God, listening, and obeying, walking with him, walking toward him. You are to name the baby Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you that you are with us. We praise you that we are not doing any of this alone, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We ask, Lord, that you will help us to pay attention to what you're saying, to listen to believe, to act. Thank you that you speak to people even like us, regular people like Joseph, regular people like Sarah. <laughs> God, thank you for loving us. We just want to listen and follow. We pray all this in your name, Lord. Amen.